Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The McGrath Mac video laryngoscope and McGrath Mac disposable laryngoscope blades are intended to be used by trained and licensed individuals to gain a view of the vocal cords during medical procedures. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on safe airway management. What type of video laryngoscopy do you use? To help provide insight into this topic is Dr. Felipe Ordinera, academic anesthesiologist at both UF Health and Gainesville VA Medical Center. You're wondering, well, I'm not going to tell you something that is not possible to tell you, but I can tell you my observation and my own personal um, input may be biased, of course, in this anecdotal, but I can tell you that to me, the traditional curvature devices are have many advantages over the hyperangulated devices. Despite the fact that I use them both and I have access to both, at the end of the day, if you make me choose one, I prefer to use a one that has a normal curvature. And I'm gonna to explain to you why in a second. But I think the, prop, the issue is the traditional curvature has many advantages. Number one, it's actually a device that we're more familiar with. And to me that I train with people that are non-anesthesiologists and I also work with them, many of them happen to be respiratory therapists. To me, since you do not perhaps intubate frequently or that frequently to become that familiar, something that you can use for many more years to me gives you more chance to be successful. So being familiar with the traditional curvature is important. The other thing it basically, even though that's hard to prove at the present time, it decreases the chance of trauma, which is an important source of uh, adverse events when we're using these techniques of video laryngoscopy. And more importantly, it gives me the capability to have dual capability because I can use one of these devices with conventional curvature, both as direct and indirect laryngoscopes, but I cannot use a hyperangulated blade as a direct laryngoscope. So if the airway is soiled or has blood secretions, whatever there, and I cannot use directly into the mouth because the normal and uh, curvature, the engineering of that blade would not allow me to look directly inside the mouth. Now, is there evidence of this? Well, it's basically evidence starting to come out. This is a study that was published in India in a journal of ENT uh, from India. And in this one, they actually looked at the glottic view with video laryngoscope from zero to 70 degrees. That is a normal Miller blade to basically a hyperangulated blade. And what they concluded was that the glottic view was equal with both type of blade. So the angle made no difference for the degree of mouth of, of, of glottic opening. 
What was more important was the fact that with the indirect, and that when I mean by indirect is that you don't have to establish a direct path, but you're looking at it at a screen, was the most important factor for the exposure of the larynx. Proving once again that perhaps this is a step ahead in terms of the evolution of uh, airway management. Another thing is that uh, traumatic intubation, which is something that's important and something to consider, has been less reported with normal curvature blades compared to hyperandrated blades. We've had no instances, and I knock on wood here in my institution, of uh, soft palate or pharyngeal injuries when we use normal curvature. But having said that, we've had many instances of palate and oropharyngeal um, trauma with the use of hyperangulated plate. And the same thing happens to be and has been reported in other institutions as well. Perhaps some of you have some direct experience with this. Now, I think it's important at this point to make a pause because I know that some of you might be thinking something that I haven't touched. And I cannot help but actually mention in your week that you guys have played an important and very pivotal role in this, which is the um, basically the care of patients with coronavirus. We definitely have to consider this, that this has changed the landscape and the way of what we do and how we do it. But basically we went from, this is the way we used to dress ourselves to perhaps handle an airway. And now we have to dress differently with um, many layers of protection, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that has basically remained kind of unanimous from the start of this pandemic and the recommendations of the different uh, professional societies is that it's preferable or more recommended to use indirect laryngoscopy, video laryngoscopy for the intubation of COVID patients. Multiple reasons why among them happens to be the fact that you are less close to the patient because you're looking at a screen for perhaps and you can basically maintain what's called mouth to mouth distance which decreases the chance of healthcare worker exposure. And also because of the fact that it basically, it gives you more chance to have a first pass success, which is necessary when we deal with this um, patients that are suffering from coronavirus. So if there's one thing that perhaps we're going to basically, uh, that's going to remain or that has increased the profile of the use of video laryngoscopy or indirect laryngoscopy that has been COVID-19. And I bet you, all of you that have been involved in the care of these patients basically um, have used or recommended or have seen that these devices are being used more often. One of the advantages is the fact that we've had to make some adjustments and changes to the airway care. And instead of having and bringing everything to the room, this perhaps is that what's recommended is that we limit the, the devices that we bring to the room to take care of the patient and basically that we protect ourselves, which is an essential component because obviously we don't want to be adding or be added to the negative um, implications or uh, adding to the statistics of healthcare workers that get infected in the process of our work um, and specifically of airway management because obviously airway management is considered still, even though there's some controversy about it and new evidence is coming out, is still considered an aerosol generating procedure. So you will see that basically most, if not all of the guidelines recommend and are recommending the use of video laryngoscope as a first line device 
when we take care of these patients. Um, that doesn't mean that you still do not use the rectal angoscope if you're more familiar with it, or if that's what you have, or if there's huge amount of secretions that are going to overwhelm the optic lens of your device, then of course the rectal angoscope is still indicated. But that's why I prefer to use the regular curvature because it allows me to have a dual capability in one single device. Now, another thing that's important is if you think about it, is that um, it's very important when we're dealing with, especially nowadays in the uh, era of coronavirus, that we take care of our equipment and our, our equipment basically gets uh, treated accordingly after it's used to, to prevent cross-contamination. So one of the advantages of most of these devices, specifically the portable devices that we use for uh, laryngoscopy in COVID patients, is the fact that they're simple to clean much more simpler than the ones, the towers that we use, for example, in the operating room. So the simpler the device, the easier it would be to clean and the less chances of um, having then cross-contamination afterwards. I am particularly biased, of course, and something that I've been using for the past four years. Uh, like I said, I have access to all of, of the others, most of the others um, devices. And one of the things that I like about the McGrath itself, which is besides its portability, lightweight, et cetera, and versatility, is the fact that it's very simple to set up and process. It's very simple to clean because it basically, basically you don't need to clean and sterilize the blade. Um, there's no need to think about the cable because there's no cable involved. There's no external monitor besides the one that's basically at your handle. There's no need to have a special stylet. It's very simple. You just open your and peel your, your cover of your device and hook it up to your blade. And um, what we hook is we call the skin, of course, of the device. And we call it the skin because it looks like a, like a serpent, of course. And it's basically very easy to set up and dispose and be for, ready for the next case in case you need to intubate more than one patient or you need to reintubate in case there's a problem with the original uh, intubation itself in case, for example, a cuff ruptures or there's some malfunction of the cuff or whatever. And, and then the other thing that we like is, as well, very important to consider is that the cost is decreased. In fact, is the same cost that we pay for disposable direct laryngoscopy equipment. So to me, that's ideal because we obviously have to be mindful about the economics of, of, what, of what we do. Other devices, and I'm not going to get into names because it's not the purpose of this talk here today, that have cable and monitor, and some people prefer them because they have beautiful screens and a high definition, 4K, et cetera, et cetera. They're a little bit more cumbersome. They're very good. I really like them as well, but they're a little bit more cumbersome to use, especially nowadays with the, in, in, the, in, the, in the pandemia, coronavirus era. This is something to consider. Um, obviously, they require um, to clean and re-sterilize the blade. They need to clean or the sterilize um, external monitor in case there's one of those towers. Um, they, some of them are recommended to use a special stylet, the sum of the time that that stylet is reusable. So that enters into a little bit more problems. And um, you need to basically the same setup, you need to unpack it, et cetera, et cetera. But it takes a little bit more time before you are ready to use it again. Um, either with the same patient or with another patient, like, like I alluded to before. So to me, something that's portable, lightweight, easy to clean, easy to use, and that uh, basically 
a lot of people are familiar with it, is the most ideal device that we have. So it's perhaps worth wondering, and uh, here to end up here today, is, is it the standard of care? <clears throat> and I think the bottom line is that video endoscopy, even though it has not been defined as the standard of care, it has become a new standard. But I think the issue of it is, is the right equipment, but at the wrong time, because economy seems to be, and basically the, because they are more expensive than the use of direct laryngoscopy, at least a priori uh, first impression, then is the, is the wrong device to use. So, so let's talk a little bit about economics and, and then we'll, we'll basically conclude here today. And, and how are things, and, and then one, one of the things that I want to answer here today is, whether indeed is more, more expensive than the use of direct laryngoscopy. So economy seems to be the biggest limiting factor for these devices, for them to not be used more often, or some people basically consider that they should not be used routinely, but rather only for emergency or rescue devices, et cetera, et cetera. Personally, I am biased and I think they should be used routinely. And the more you use it, the better you're going to get, and therefore you should be ready to use them at any time. So number one, and I alluded to this before, um, they are part of the ASA algorithm. So if you do not use them and you like not to use them, keep in mind that we may actually then question you as to why you did not have it available. It doesn't mean you have to use it, but having available, since it's part of the difficult airway algorithm, and it's also part of the basically, as I alluded to, part of the suggested contents of the portable storage unit for difficult airway management that the ASA recommends. Now, what we know about is the fact that with, if you use video laryngoscopy routinely, you will use less bronchoscopy equipment, use and repairs. Um, for you guys that are very familiar with the bronchoscopy equipment, you know how expensive it is to process and clean those devices. And perhaps the use of video laryngoscopy can make you use them less often, only when it's needed, and therefore decrease the amount of money that is spent on repairs, et cetera, et cetera. The same thing is since it's more, it increases the, the sensitivity and effectiveness of intubation that you may you actually have to use less use of rescue techniques and devices and therefore decrease the cost of that because every time that you open uh, another piece of device, for example, an exchange catheter or, or a bougie or something, that implies obviously increased cost. So because they're very effective and they increase first pass success in most studies, then you may actually decrease the overall cost of intubation itself. Very important is that they do and will decrease the chances of medical legal mishaps and, and medical legal costs, because while they're not 100% foolproof and they're not, and they were ne never meant and will never be to do that, they do decrease the chances of complications or the incidence of complications and therefore help you in this regard. Nowadays, with our litigian society, then is, this is a very important issue. And also, basically, I believe that even though pound per pound, there may not be the same in cost, and indeed, it's cheaper to buy a direct laryngoscope compared to an, an indirect or video laryngoscope, the cost overall will be more with the use of direct laryngoscopy. Let me show you a couple of things. Oh, and before I, I go any further, I think not having them 
is a principle of false economy. As you know, the false economy is an action that saves you money at the beginning, but which over a long period of time results in more money being spent or wasted than saved. Portable equipment, and we are in charge of out of outside of the operating room airway management and alongside with you guys, respiratory therapies, we respond to emergencies everywhere around the hospital. And so basically we are need to have equipment that is easy transportable. So the issue came as to which one did I recommend or, or was better to buy. And you have, for example, three devices there, which is the CMEC and the Glyscope, and they are amazing devices. They're awesome, recently the um, release, et cetera, et cetera. But the issue to consider is that with the price of that, I can buy um, approximately five of the other of the McGrath laryngoscope. So to me, it made more sense to actually go with the uh, with the uh, CMEC, or excuse me, with the uh, with the McGrath than than the other device. Now, um, one of the things that that we did is I work at a at a VA hospital and uh, the same level three institutions. There are 170 across the nation, and so I looked and, and looked at all our operating rooms, et cetera. And we basically are responsible for 14 anesthetizing locations, that is 14 ORs that we run every day. So if we were to place a McGrath laryngoscope in each of the ORs, and you can basically add to this the emergency room and you can add the MICU and SICU, et cetera, et cetera, is in, for my case, it was 14 places, basically, the initial investment would have been $2.3 million, which is a tremendous amount of money. But for the same, same principle, 14 places, that means buying 14 devices, if I was to buy one of the other more expensive pieces of equipment, the initial investment would have been from 2.3 to $47.7 million. So to me, it's a tremendous amount of uh, money-saving maneuver to get the cheapest and, and an excellent device that we have that's portable, that a lot of has a versatility and can be used by a lot of, uh, of people that, that um, do airway management. Now, fortunately, we have been able to see that there's already studies on the issue of the cost of the uh, direct laryngoscopy and video laryngoscopy. These are two studies, and I'm gonna summarize it for you, and we're going to conclude here uh, today. And basically what it was in two studies have shown that the cost with no difficult intubation of an average patient in North America was approximately $13,000. That is the patient went to the OR for a surgical procedure. That was the average cost. But if you basically have a difficult intubation, that cost almost goes threefold to $33,000. Now already alluded to, that the chances of having difficult intubation is much decreased with the use of video laryngoscope. So there and there, you're starting to see that the video laryngoscope may be a cost-saving uh, maneuver or technique rather than being seen like a more costly, it's actually a cost savings maneuver. And in the second study, they went a step further. And then I, I really like the study because what they did was, obviously if you compare one-to-one, the video laryngoscope was more expensive. But what they did was basically, they looked at about a thousand patients and they found 
that if you count the number of complications with direct laryngoscope, may and sum up to about four hundred thousand dollars in a in a for a thousand patients in an institution. That's if you use direct laryngoscopy. That's complications related to intubation. But if you use video laryngoscopy, the cost is approximately 50% of that. So that means that while the video laryngoscope might be more expensive, in general, in the long term, will save you money. Now, we are in the process of getting going to peer review on a different study in which we looked at large databases. We looked at approximately 72,000 uh, patients, that surgical uh, cases. And uh, of that, we showed that there was financial benefit. Video laryngoscopy showed benefit one uh, to $1,000 to $5,000 per patient. So that is you save money with the use of video laryngoscopy. You decrease the number of admission days by 1.1 and you basically have less chances of ICU admission if you use video laryngoscopy. So overall, once again, while it may seem that it's more expensive, in reality, what it's doing is, is saving you money. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.